All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have a fantastic guest. I'm so glad he's back in town. Lamont Rogel. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Uh, love that smile. And uh, Lamont Rogel, uh, for those who don't know, I, I think a lot of people should know. You are a fantastic actor. You have uh, you've done Angels in America at the Town Hall Theater. Mm, you did yes. Master Harold and the Boys, which received an award uh, for Off Broadway West for uh, best um, dramatic show. I think uh, best director. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you've done a bunch of other stuff as well. Oh my you? goodness! Uh, most people kind of remember me for my very very first show in the Bay Area, which was in <laughs> 2009. Mm. at the now-defunct uh, Alameda Civic Light Opera oh. Theater Company, mm-hmm. and I was in their production of Ragtime. Oh, wow. Playing Cole House Walker Jr. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And that production, for for the wonderfulness and the blessing that it was, it's still on the lips of people today. It's It still remains one of their favorite productions of Ragtime. So. Wow, wow, that's fantastic. It's always a nice feel. Yeah, and you've also worked in Bindlestiff, too, right? Yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, for, I almost forgot about that because I was I had, I was on stage at Bendelstiff. I was leaving. I think around, immediately after Master Harold, you were yes, yes. Was we, it was it Alan Casmorio who directed you? Yes, yeah. And Small World. Haven't heard that name in a minute. Yeah, I want to say it's Thunders Below or Thunders Deep Below or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was an original piece. It was an original piece and arguably one of the creepiest roles <laughs> that I've ever had to play. Yeah. Um, and it took me way out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. because the the gentleman in and of itself, he was a closeted, married, mm. basically a pedophile. Ooh. And he, he... Oh, the character you mean. The character. Okay. And he <laughs> would p- he picked up a hustler on I the you street were about the director or the writer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He picked up a hustler on the street, and for and for lack of better terms, in in the real sense, mm-hmm. he fell. He falls in love with the hustler and wants to basically own and maintain and carry on this hustler mm-hmm. as a second lover, and the the hustler's not having it at first. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a three part thing, and yeah. one of those parts is that, and yeah, uh, people who saw it, it was a creepy role. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk more about that, and of course about your life and you know how you've gotten involved. Two thousand nine. I would have thought that you would have had a career going back to you know the eighties and all that stuff. <laughs> no, just yeah, just hit here, and uh-huh. two thousand nine kicked it off. Wow, <laughs> we'll learn more about that. Norman, as I ask you every uh, week, we actually skipped Whenever, a week. a couple of weeks, <laughs> Right, exactly. And that was because of me. Usually it's because of you, but I had to. I, I think worked, it was both. <laughs> yeah. But I was I was working at the playground uh, doing. Um, uh, oh, Paterno Stage. Lisa, yeah, right. Paterno Stage, Lisa Kong, and Same Boat Theater, their version of um, Emeryville, the Emeryville Horror. Oh, the Emeryville, yeah. Yeah, which was a stage reading, so mm-hmm. I was busy doing that. But how was your I week? hope it went well. It did. It, it went very well. It's been a fascinating time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, usually I say it's crazy. And no, um, when it's good, you've got to admit that it's good, no matter how much it may disturb you or be surprising to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you know, Elizabeth Carter, and I don't know if it's been announced in a big official way, but Elizabeth Carter is rehearsing a show off-Broadway right now. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and 
So it was um, Eureka Day, which was done here at the Aurora. Yeah, I think you would tell me about that. And they went to Off-Broadway, mm-hmm. and I guess they either lost somebody or they just couldn't find somebody to play the role that she had created, mm. you know, originated. Yeah. So, hey, Elizabeth, they call. Can you do this? She says, well, I'm supposed to direct Dracula, but I could go do this. It's like six weeks. Mm-hmm. She's going to go do it, and then she's coming back. So I'm going to direct, I'm going to start the direction of Dracula. Wow. And Isn't then, that wonderful? That's amazing. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, one opening opens for someone else, which means it opens for you. It and becomes that's why, a, yeah, yeah, domino effect. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I, one of my goals for July was to try and get an agent, which means, of course, I waited till the last day of July to even put out a call. Well, this woman and I have been talking back and forth. Finally, she calls me yesterday and says, I'm so sorry. We've had a couple of conversations, but I've been slow to get back to you. I think we can make this work. And she's just loaded all this paperwork that I need to study before Monday. I'm supposed to turn in a new resume and uh, sign some paperwork and hopefully get a contract. And I'm like, <laughs> yay. So wow. That's great. That's two. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I've yeah. been waiting. My whole day yesterday, I woke up. You know, middle of the night, yeah. checking my phone. Nope, well, still you, didn't You've been it. doing a lot of auditions, so I'm hoping you I get did. some good news. I, I woke up in the morning. No, 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 no. I go all frigging day until about 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at night. Yeah. Finally, I happen to glance at my phone, and it says, dude. And I'm like, okay, the fact that you even start with that as a salutation is a good sign. You don't blow somebody off by starting <laughs> with dude. Dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. right. Unless it's spam. <laughs> He, um, so I will be doing Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Um, I will at least be doing Aegeus, um, but I had to read for Aegeus because it's going to be six actors doing the whole show. So we are playing the court, the rude mechanicals, mm-hmm. the fairy kingdom. There are going to be oh, six of us yeah. doing that, so we are going to have to do double. Now, duty. is that the one you you showed me how you had to do a video audition? Oh, maybe of I several you things. That. Was that the same thing? What was this? Um, did I show you my Titania? No. Uh, yeah. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It was that one. <laughs> there you go. Right. I had to freaking read Titania. <laughs> Titania. I'm like, in my world, Titania is the sexiest, one of the sexiest characters in all of Shakespeare. And your problem was? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I lack some essential equipment. <laughs> so I got this kind of gossamer thing, and I did a head wrap, and I started working on the side. Yeah. Apparently, Mara loved it. And we, yeah, and we shot it. And Mara, my wife, is standing there cracking up as she's shooting it. She finishes, and we finally get a take we like. And she said, that's your mother. So I look at it, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Of all the things that you think are going to happen in your life, that you were not, I'm a guy. I'm not going to grow up to, I might grow up to be my dad, but to grow up and be my mother? I'm like, Okay. But it's always there. It's it's Apparently. hidden in there, but it's 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 there. Because I wasn't looking at all in that direction. I just was okay. I, I'm trying to like go oh, with a light voice, and I'm like, okay, that just sounds like crap. That's just some guy with a light voice. I can't imagine myself as this incredibly voluptuous thing. Um, and then I go to the attitude, and I'm like, oh, she's the queen of the fairies. She has got attitude. <laughs> So that's where I went, and yeah, that all apparently comes from my mother. <laughs> and apparently, the director liked. It. Well, congratulations! It's Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Just got that last night. And congratulations! I'm like, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm. So we are. I'm going to be running off today to go to a rehearsal. We're putting in another actor for um, As You Like It. Um, not today, but we're rehearsing her in today. Mm. 
this weekend, next weekend, and then she's up. Actually, I think she's up next weekend, I think. Mm. I don't know. Coming up pretty quick, <coughs> this actress is going to have to get on stage and do uh, Phoebe. Um, so I've got that today. I start Dracula next week. Elizabeth gets back, and I hand it over yeah. to her, and I walk away, and a week later, I start rehearsals for Midsummer Night's Dream, which goes up in November, and I'm like, okay, when that's done, I'm going to go off to Thanksgiving, and I'm going to call it a day the rest of the year, unless somebody's got some serious money or something. I, don't I was going to say, your year's about. done. That's, yes. that's busy. It, it's, and yeah, that's my bank account's kind of saying that, too. I'm like, oh, if I just make a little bit more money this year, I'm... I'm looking at what's happening in January, February. Yeah, yeah, Man, that's awesome. That that is it's just fantastic. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, um, Emeryville Hard that went just well. It was just a stage reading anyway, so uh, mm-hmm. but it went re- just fine. Speaking of auditions, I've got a couple of auditions uh, lining up. What you got? Cus- Custom made theater. Uh-huh. They're having a general auditions. Okay. That'll be Monday, mm-hmm. and then the Magic Theater has their general auditions. Right, right, right. <coughs> a week from Monday. Yeah, on the twenty seventh. Yeah. They are both equity and non-equity. Right, I'm, I'm doing it. Well, I haven't seen an email, but I'm trying to do the 26th. <laughs> yeah, so you'll be there on Monday, and I'll be there on Tuesday. <laughs> and then uh, Town Hall Theater, they're doing a musical called Violet. And uh, there is a, oh, uh, a I know lead, Violet. There's a lead black. <laughs> no, I mean. Uh, you know, the musical. <laughs> I vaguely know this musical, yeah. yes. But there's a uh, there there's a black leading actor, yes. and uh, although they're looking for thirty five forty, I don't know, I'm a little up there, but you can do it. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. Get, I'll, I'm gonna show up. I'll be there. You know, that's what my thing is. Yeah, to show up, be there, because mm-hmm. it also depends on who else they end up casting. Right. Yeah. Yep. So you might think by yourself, well, there's no way in the world I can pass at thirty. Right. But you put yourself in a whole slew of other people. Yeah. Right? And you looking good right. for thirty. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, it's uh, not younger. Right? Yeah. Well, thank you. So. Yeah, and also they've seen my work before, so <clears throat> this will be like, hey, oh, what right. are you doing? Yeah. So, and that's all. It always feels good. So I, I won't feel bad no. if if nothing happens. But yeah, I'm sort of like, hey, Norman's got his hustle going on. I got to step it up. <laughs> <laughs> every time that's I, I got happening. Every time just, I see. Ooh. Every time we do this podcast, you're like, well, I got this going, got that going, got this. I'm like, hey, man, I got to keep I trying get, to have things going. I, <laughs> Sizwa Banzi was already in my head, so even though I got this audition, I mean, even though I just got cast, I was like, but I already had it in my head, I needed to look at that. So I'm like, I'm going to pull that back, I'm going to find, because I had done, you can't, it's a frigging monologue, I mean, you know, the one (laughs) character, it's a frigging, it's a show-length monologue. Yes. Um, So finding a section of that that you can make a nice beginning, middle, and end with is tricky. But I, I think I know what I want. And I'm like, yeah. But I'm always looking at that, and I'm trying to think what's, yeah, what's January? What's Robert Estes? Yeah. I wanted to audition for his show. Couldn't audition for his show. Equity cut him off. Mm. And I'm uh, like, have you heard of Anton's Will? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. <coughs> the last show was mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, it was at the Carol Churchill Place. So beautiful. I, oh, you I did check it out. It. I got to go on a Wednesday. It was the only night I could go. Yeah. And, and it was funny. It was theater night. The place was packed, and it mm-hmm. was all these old, mostly old theater people. Mm. <laughs> wow. Family reunion. And yeah. some folks. We were talking about being in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh. Is, I'm, I'm grinning because mm. this kind of mm-hmm. energy yeah. is not there. Ooh. I imagine so. I mean, I, I was in Minnesota once That's in 2000. I thought they had a theater scene. They have a wonderful, vibrant theater scene. Mm-hmm. But it only works 
primarily if you're a white male. Oh. What a shame. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, and it's like, you know, what? so what theater would you be seeing? Yeah, it's, wow. Well, Anton's yeah. World was all white folks. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it was still, it was, the shows were gorgeous, and chatting with Robert is always a joy. He's just got a, he's got his own sensibility, and every time I write to him about it, he says, can I use that? <laughs> and I see it in some blurb somewhere, because he's, I think, one of the hardest things to me about making theater, making theater, choosing to make theater in the Bay Area is, what is it you've got to bring to it? Not just that play that you heard about or that play that you like. Has anybody else done it here? What does it bring? What is it that you're saying? That's primarily why I'm very careful about what I do Mm -hmm. and the shows that I audition for. Because Mm -hmm. there has to be, it has to be for me now, it has to be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. If I'm offering X amount of energy to the show, what is the show offering me Mm -hmm. back? Yeah, absolutely. And and at times it's not even about, because we all would love to be in shows with our friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you trade energy from friends and the whole bit, and then it becomes a wonderful blessing. Right. But it also has to start off with the show. What does this show, what is it giving me back? Mm -hmm. Am I learning a little bit more about myself? Uh What is it saying about the world in which we live in either then or right now? And if it's a musical, can we throw down musically Mm -hmm. with some of these songs and have it connect with people? Because that's what they're looking for other than being entertained. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And when I'm looking at some of the shows that are – that going on in the bay area now Mm -hmm. it's a big old empty for me i just don't feel as if i'll be fulfilled by being in yet another production of the i'm gonna say it mama mia oh have you done it no and i won't i I, and it's funny because i love the music but i saw the movie and i thought okay y'all this is everything that i would have guessed y'all would have tried to avoid doing this is horrible with songs that are undeniably catchy you know, mm-hmm. saying they're good is a little hard for me to get that word out of my mouth. But I know the songs and love the songs. Dancing yeah. Queen comes on. And there's a little part of my heart that becomes a little Dancing Queen, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't try to do that. That's not part of my identity, but that song sells that. And then you turn it into this. Rock. Yeah, it's yeah. I have. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, there there's f- folks, and of course, there are tourists that come in and they want right. to see a certain type of theater, right. which is you know very fluff. And I think they're going to do uh, Lion King. Well, they're doing a live action Lion King once again. It's like, okay, how how right. many times can you refry the beans before right. you throw yeah, the beans out? You need to throw them out, yeah. Um, but you know, there are some really interactive, some very um, uh, there 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 is theater. Which uh, touches into diversity and all that sort of stuff. But finding it is hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the director casting, you know, diverse theater is... Well, and that's... I, I, think, just, I think it's picking up a little of, bit. That's yeah. part of the mix. Yeah. But it's like I don't... You know, as an actor, I do not need... If I walk in the door because you're just looking for a black guy... Exactly. Then I figure you owe me a job because I'm a black guy. But if you're <laughs> looking for somebody to do the show... In a way that is interesting and meaningful to the audience, now we can have a dialogue. We can start the dialogue. Because yeah. what you're basically saying is, okay, if you are just looking for a black guy, you can just find anybody. Right. But I have the ability to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because yep. these are my talents and gifts that I have to offer right. you. And as a black guy, I don't see 
too many characters that reflect me. What I'm grateful for are to stop giving me those black characters that don't reflect me because I'm tired of y'all doing that. I'm loving that you put me in another world where suddenly, like, I did um, Death of a Salesman. I played the neighbor. And I'm like, the idea that Willie Loman has a black, black neighbor yeah. for three decades. You know, they're kids growing up. So sometime from when the kids were like 10 or so, all the way to the kids are in their mid-30s in that play. I've been his neighbor this whole time. That means this white man has had to deal with me as my special kind of black man in his neighborhood. Now, yeah, when I moved into this neighborhood, probably I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. 30 years in, I definitely <laughs> have a chip on my shoulder. And you know about it already. So when we sit down, we have a little card game scene. It's a cute, quick little scene. It's in the middle of the friggin' night. And I'm doing it to distract him. I mean, in terms of the story. But for me, I have to bring in all that other information for it to make sense yes. to me. And people were like, it was so amazing. You guys were so great. And I was like, I wouldn't want to be here otherwise. It's like a two, three scene character. And the other scenes aren't that much. This scene is gorgeous because <clears> you go toe to toe with the main character. And it has to mean something. And I'm like, so for your audience... Now, this play means something about black life that it never meant before. I was about to say, more importantly, for this audience who have seen this classic chestnut of a play mm -hmm. with white characters, mm -hmm. now it's speaking to them in a different language. Oh, yeah. And also, their directors, like I think about Susan Evans, <clears throat> who uh, directed uh, a while back a play called Well by Lisa Kahn, yeah. who was yeah. really just about... This white, this woman, white woman, who is, um, and the direct, the protagonist is the writer. She's basically, it's like an autobiography. She's okay. writing about her connection with her mother, mm -hmm. and it deals with sickness and whatever. And Susan, and there are like three other non-distinct actors that are brought in. Right. And Susan made a uh, a concrete effort as a director, a uh, to bring in people from diverse cultures. And mm -hmm. so me, uh, I played a bunch of characters, but one was a playmate of Lisa Cron, who right. happens to be black, right. and then a neighbor, a drunk neighbor who happened to be black, which added a whole dimension to a lot of right. the dialogue that right. was going on. <laughs> and it's the same thing as Death of a Salesman. All yes. of a sudden, you're seeing things in a different, because, you know, it, it, from a racial standpoint, you're seeing things differently. And why it draws up conversation. Death of a Salesman, again, why do it again <clears throat> if you don't have some take that yeah. is new, that is fresh, that is unique? Otherwise, you're just saying... I've always wanted to see you play Willie Loman. Here, play Willie Loman. Mm -hmm. And the rest of everybody else sort of, you know, walks yeah. through the play with it. We just did that with uh, the other other theater company. We did a production, and it was um, Aaron Sorkin blessed it. Uh, mm -hmm. A few good men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we flipped oh, it. Uh -huh. love so that. we were allowed to flip it where the main character that was portrayed by, I guess, what was his name? Tom uh, Cruise. Tom Cruise yeah. in the movie. Yeah. It's a woman. Kathy. Kathy's a woman. Kathy was a woman. Uh, the judge was a woman. Uh, uh -huh. And the um, the protagonist, Jessup, I played Jessup. Uh -huh. You were the antagonist. I was the antagonist. Wow, right so on. It was one of those things where, where do you get mm -hmm. turning this Jack Nicholson character and then adding, I'm going to say it, I'll, I'll say it in a loving way, adding the baggage mm -hmm. of being a successful black military male in that era right, right, right. Right. attaching that mm -hmm. to his intent and motivations yep. what does that look like oh yeah 
That's and where America may not know that, anybody who is conscious knows that's the history. That's the history mm-hmm. of America. So that guy exists in all kind of, across the spectrum. That guy exists. And yeah. we had some – and during the rehearsal process, we had some wonderful dialogue and wonderful mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. about intent, mm-hmm. intent, and intent. What – how are you saying this, mm-hmm. and what are the repercussions? And with that particular character, there weren't any because he didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't care about the repercussions <coughs> because that was his reputation on the line. Uh-huh. I thought, oh, this yeah. is going to be interesting. And for a while, it took me out of my comfort zone because yeah. I thought, mm. you are just a piece of work. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm sure there's a heavy dose of misogyny. Oh yeah, being surrounded by women. Trying to but tell you it, what to do. But it allows you as the actor. And what I love, and I didn't learn this until maybe within the last decade or so, or we always want to answer all those questions. And some of them are in the script, and that's great. And some of them are in the directorial vision, and that's mm-hmm. great. Those will answer the questions. Sometimes it's not any place, and it's just you, the actor, needing an answer for yourself to make sense of a moment, a line, a relationship. Right. And that means you get to draw from someplace that, to your credit, is as uniquely you as it can be. But it also means if you stay, if you're, I say that with Hamlet all the time. I teach Hamlet, and I'm like, why is anybody doing this over 400 year old play if it's been done and been done correctly? If it's been done, it's been done. What we can bring to it is there are places when we don't quite know why Hamlet is doing something. You find that answer for yourself. That makes it your. That Hamlet. is so true. And I and there were times when I was okay with not having the answer to it. Mm-hmm. I was just okay with. This is what he does. I'll mm-hmm. come to the answer of why he's doing it later. Right. right. No, and that's what I'm saying. That was the piece for me that is new, that the, oh, I don't have to force an answer on this. I just need to be me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, and you just helped me answer the, the one question. The one question was where it made me uncomfortable is that it was coming from a dark place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period. <coughs> your was, dark place. It was coming from a dark place, and no one, you know, everyone. Now, don't lie, because I know people listening to this podcast going, because <laughs> they're going to say, no, I don't. Everyone has a dark place. That's right. right. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Don't sit there and listen to this podcast and say that you don't, because yeah. you know you do, mm-hmm. and you're also afraid of it. Right. And there are times when you have to tap into it mm-hmm. ever so lightly, and it scares the crap out of you, yeah. but you kind of justify the fact of why you're having to dip into that dark place to begin with. Mm -hmm. Everyone has it. And that was the one thing that made me uncomfortable because I thought, this character revels in his dark place. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting. We had Barry Graves on, and Barry Graves, who was, of course, our Richard Wright informant in Paris, we talked about anger and black men dealing with anger. And basically, Barry's a big guy, and he had spent all his life conditioning himself to say, hey, listen, people around me, I'm safe. The gentle giant. The gentle Mm -hmm. giant. That was his persona. To suppress his, you know, whatever rage or anger or just being irritated by just life, just by being black, Mm -hmm. by letting people know, you don't have to cross the street. I'm okay. I'm Mm -hmm. okay. I'm fine. And we had a problem with that during rehearsals or, you know, at, right. basically saying, hey, listen, Richard Wright needs to be, you know, you can't, you've, you've got to push away all that you stuff. You've got to drop the mask <laughs> and you've got to come. With yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's hard because we have become so conditioned, especially in theater. Mm-hmm. 
we're like a pizza. It's important for everyone to not be threatened by us, but like us. Right. You don't have yeah. to love me. Yeah, the pizza you analogy. Love I love me, that. But it's the pizza analogy. Yeah. I'm a pizza. You like me. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't even need to be – you don't even know what's on me. <laughs> right. Right. You like me because yeah. I'm pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's funny. Melted can we, cheese. Can we get into our current events? We'll just talk about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lordy. Oh. So, yeah, there's yeah. been a lot. Uh, there are several shootings. I don't even know if we there were any shootings pr- prior to our last podcast, but 31 people died within a course of, I think, what was it, 10 days or something yeah. like, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, 10 or 11 days, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the latest yeah, No, one, but you're, those are people from mass shootings because mm-hmm. the other side now – and it's so funny. These people who you know don't care about Chicago and don't care about Chicago blacks, every time a shooting comes up, you get all the stats on what's happening in Chicago oh, right sure. now. Yeah. Why, why is this important? Why are you making such a national fuss about oh, this? Oh, yeah, the right when wing. There yeah. were 11 people shot in, in Chicago. Nobody's talking about that. It's like, well, you are, which is really surprising. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can you name any of them? Oh, you can't. I can name these yeah. people. Yeah. Which is odd because they're, normali- they're trying to normalize. Well, the shootings, yeah, uh, it's horrible that 15 people got shot in one day. But right. Chicago, oh, my God, Chicago. the black people, they don't mention the black people. You know, it's right. like people. Because, unfortunately, the general assumption is that they were. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and then when they're not, mm-hmm. certain people freak out. It's like, oh, what, well, what are we going to say now? Right, exactly. Right. So in Philadelphia, this they were doing a narcotics uh, search warrant on this black guy, and of course he opened fire, and six officers were shot. Mm-hmm. None were killed, which is wonderful. Right, right. Apparently, the black community is calling this guy um, John Wick, J A W N Wick, basically just having fun over it. <laughs> <laughs> basically saying that he can't be killed and how in the world is it that he's survived all of that this i i should not be laughing at this at no, all this is but this is the <laughs> this, this is, is how we survive yeah this is how we move forward yeah even if it's a baby step because we all know yeah. what the reality of the yeah, situation of course, of course. is normally yes right. well that's it's the era of trump suddenly i'm rooting for well don't attack the fbi those are the good guys and i'm like how did those words come out of my mouth? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's what we're in. <laughs> because we've been indoctrinated because of all the TV shows and the wonderfulness that is that the FBI are the good guys. No, no. It's specifically because the president is attacking the FBI yes. when they're actually doing their job and doing it correctly. And he's saying, oh, it's a conspiracy. There's a deep state. And I'm like. No, that's the FBI doing their job, and it's they're pointing to things like keeping us safe, which is their job, and mm-hmm. I'm defending the FBI. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I just don't understand. I simply do not, because there is so much that's so wrong about it, him, mm-hmm. that I just, to the followers, I... You wouldn't even have a doctor. Can you imagine having a doctor that would come up to you and lie to you and tell you that you didn't have cancer? Right. And that he was able to treat you when right. he wouldn't? Yeah. And then you they, shouldn't trust that other doctor because he also does abortions. Yes. And this entire the doctor's entire staff is going to lie to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's where we're at. So yes. if you – and that's just a doctor. So if you take the doctor – a policeman, a teacher, mm-hmm. anyone that you would normally come in contact with with a professional degree and or job, right. an authoritative figure. Right. And now it's the president of the United States, and you're going to believe everything he says 
but yet if, mm. if this was a doctor or teacher mm. or someone else, you wouldn't? Yeah, it's it's amazing politics. I, I always say this is a civics lesson that we're going through right now Ooh. as we speak. I you hope know. so. <laughs> if, I, if, if I never learned that freedom is not free, that it has a cost to it and the cost of voting and, of course, getting involved, this Trump's administration has taught me that lesson. You well, know. you know, the Statue of Liberty, you know, mm-hmm. bring us your, your tired, your That's poor, right. who can, <laughs> what is okay, it? Was, <laughs> who can stand up on their own Who OTP? can stand up on their own and, Oh, no, yeah. But no, 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 I was talking about the Europeans. <laughs> yeah. Right, that too. Yeah. I, we only, I, I, we I, only I, want the rich immigrants, you know. I, and, I he, and he wants to eliminate... Uh, he wants to so you could. In other words, if you have citizen, he wants to have a bill where if you need public assistance, you shouldn't right. have citizenship. You can't have citizenship. You can't have both. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. It's been a lot, well. What I loved about it, I'm, I've become a Twitter boy. In fact, I miss days on Facebook because <laughs> I'll go. Oh shoot, I didn't go on Facebook yesterday. Oh well. Mm-hmm. But I'll go on Twitter, and especially when this stuff comes up, and I loved it. I jumped right back as soon as that idiot opened his mouth. I jumped on that. I was like, and it's so funny. Because the statue was given to, not con- given to us, but was conceived by France to commemorate That's and right. celebrate That's the exactly end right. of slavery. There are chains up there on that statue right now. There are chains around her feet, the shackles that have broken off her feet. That's what that statue is. And the original design, and you can see it, the original design was because the guy who created it was going to create one for some African thing. So it was actually, I don't remember if it was African or specifically Egyptian, mm-hmm. but that was who he used as a model initially. Mm. And then he just sort of took it to that weird place that we have in America where you don't look male, you don't look female, you look kind of Susan B. Anthony. Cole yeah, <laughs> that, that stoic, stoic woman yeah. look, yeah. But that's where that came from because that's, uh, so I'm like, thank you, racist white man, for bringing this up because here's the truth. Boom, yeah, exactly. And, and with the... With the internet being the way that it is, mm-hmm. you can access you can access rumors and, right. and BS, but just as quickly you can access the truth yeah. if you want the truth. Yeah. If, well, whether you want it or not, yeah, it's there. It's there. Yeah. The trick is if you want to embrace the right. truth yeah. or not. I always compare it to if your mama served you greens and there's chocolate cake. <clears throat> what do you choose to eat? Some people want the truth, even if it hurts, mm-hmm. so they eat the greens. I like Give it. me the truth. And then there's some folks who will just eat co- chocolate cake, cho- chocolate, chocolate cake. cake. Yeah. And I wonder not just about us and what we imbibe, but also who's serving it. Like, you know, we're, yes. you know the congressmen and the Republicans who, I mean, once upon a time, Republicans were like, Nixon, you can't do that. Right. We may be Republicans, but we're not going to allow you to happen. Right. Or so Reagan, far, we may be Republicans, but we're not going to mm-hmm. allow Iran-Contra to happen. Right. This Republican Party. It was it wrong for Trump matter. to say that, but I can't say he's racist. What? Well, you, then how was it wrong? Break it down. Well, some of them won't even go that far. I know most of them. Yeah. Most of them won't even go that far. And go, well, that was wrong. They and people need to understand. Silence is a response. Mm-hmm. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Silence is a response. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So, and again, what you tolerate, right. you enable. Yes. Mm-hmm. So those two things, hand in hand, is basically what the Republican Party has become now. Well, and yeah. right, and where we are sitting, we are sitting in this accident scene, going, hell. <laughs> right. Exactly. I have a quick question. Uh, so this gets into 
So Jay-Z has a, has a deal with the NFL. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, apparently an Vaguely. entertainment deal. Yeah. And I have no idea. It's very vague as to what the entertainment deal is. I imagine right. it's halftime. Right. Halftime for all of the regular season stuff. Right. And someone brought up a point. Um, does this mean that he is in alignment with Colin Kaepernick? You know, uh, who is still not being signed by any NFL right. team and, and at all. Be at this point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Jay, or at least I think it was JC or someone on uh, ESPN was basically saying, hey, listen, he's a capitalist. He's, a, he's about money. And there's nothing really wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how I, I feel I, about that. I'm, I'm not a capitalist. I just live in a capitalist society. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I end up, yeah, no, that's not a justification. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is the issue of, and we deal with it as actors. You know, we've talked about, let's say, would you take on a role which is demeaning to you, but it pays? Like, let's say you get an <laughs> equity contract and you have to be a butler. You know, would you do it? Well, and I guess I'm getting to that point. Now, also, just, you know, the other thing that I need to announce is that mm-hmm. it's my birthday season. So, yeah, there we go. We'll, and we'll talk more <laughs> about that. Which everybody will laugh about. But um, I'm loving the roles that are coming my way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting busy enough that I'm starting to go, well, before I make a commitment, let me read that script. Yeah. And I haven't been doing that. And I did get offered a directing gig, and the show ended up getting taken away. All the women on the staff were like, oh, hell no. It's a play called The Pancake Queen. Ooh. And it's about the woman who originated the role of Aunt Jemima. Jemima. There was an actual woman who was hired to play Aunt Jemima at a World's Fair. Hmm. And that's what launched that whole company. And someone wanted to write a play about it. They wrote a play about it, and it's a fascinating play, way better than Thomas and Sally, but uh, <laughs> which I shouldn't say because I haven't read it. Um, but what I felt like it gave us, which I all accounts of Thomas and Sally, we don't get an inner workings of Sally or motivations of Sally, mm-hmm. and the justification was, well, there, we don't know. She didn't write, so we don't know. And it was like, well... Why are you writing about her if you're not going to put any words in her mouth or thoughts in her head? Because silence, again, you mm-hmm. are doing that. You are doing that. Yeah. Um, so this one, the woman does give you some actually really good stuff. At one point, she kind of says yes to what she thinks is an offensive stereotype. Uh, but she says yes to it because she sees how she can use it to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she says yes to it. And then this other woman, I don't remember if she gets killed or just hurt seriously hurt mm-hmm. so it's like that motivation is sort of gone but she's already committed to it and they will not leave her alone they were so successful they will not leave her mm-hmm. alone but the women in other words the play no one wanted to do it they mm-hmm. um the other folks on staff and i guess other actresses who were reading it were just like not liking this you're not getting this there you're what you're really doing is an uncle tom mm-hmm. and if you've read uncle tom if you read uncle tom with the lens of I appreciate that this woman wanted to give a positive representation of, you know, the black soul. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what it is. Is he's good and in his heart he's true and uh, you know and kind and God fearing and and he's going to do the right thing no matter who gets hurt on our side. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, if you want to read it with that lens, you can kind of understand. Wow, this is an important work and and powerful. I can see it. But if you want to read it looking for the human being, it's a little like, wow, really? At that point, you did, didn't say no? At that point, you didn't go, wow, I'm going to turn a blind eye to this horror for some greater good greater or some head. notion that God is going to make it all better later? I could stop this. I would have to go against my master's mm-hmm. wishes, but I could stop this. 
the woman is not quite that, you know, she's yeah. not stuck quite that way. She doesn't even care that much about the economics, which I thought was wonderful, a wonderfully nuanced part of the character. But they were asking me to direct it, and my response was that I would be – I definitely wanted to work with them. So, yeah, I'm definitely happy to talk about it and consider it, but I'm thinking to myself – I got to talk to the folks, the women that are going to be involved in this because I'm uncomfortable with what this is saying. But I know there's stuff that I love, dearly love, that make other people uncomfortable, and I can justify why. So if some women came to me, some black women came to me and said, mm -hmm. this needs to be said, even though it's hard. I would have been like, cool, then I would yeah. try to be your guy and help get you there. Yeah. And it's what you were saying, Lamont, as far as uh, not only does the actor have to know what your intent or your objective is every time you walk on the stage, every time you say a line, but also the playwright. You know, what is your objective? What is you, right. What do you want to What do you want to exactly. convey within the play? Mm -hmm. If it's just a, ooh, Aunt Jemima, let's write something about that, mm -hmm. but you're not really getting into what it is to be a black woman. I don't see enough black women on stage. Um well, and a lot of people forget there's a backstory. Yeah. Because let's, let's call it for what it is, really. Um, a lot of people don't even know who Aunt Jemima is. Right. So to even use the name, mm -hmm. to say the name, it has to be familiar to certain people. And then you can start saying, oh, you've heard the name. Right. Well, let me give you the backstory mm -hmm. because you think you know her right. and we're going to tell you something else about her. Mm -hmm. But there's another percentage of people going, Aunt who? Right. Right. And they, that level, that was one of the things they did gr wonderfully because she also gets uncomfortable. They start mixing her story into this fictionalized character because her story is juicy, isn't it, a former slave. And she's like, um, okay, so I get to tell my story to some extent, but you also really don't want – you don't want to go – I got hired once to be a journalist. And uh, to write restaurant reviews. And I was told, but they don't want anything negative. Okay. How do you write a restaurant review if you – how can you say stuff is good if you aren't putting it on some scale of what is good and what is not good? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And how can you write if something's good if it's not? Mm -hmm. Then you're lying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I ended up quitting because <laughs> 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 I felt bad. And it was funny. This woman had gotten in touch with the magazine. It was an industry magazine. She'd gotten in touch with the magazine because she wanted a review. And I said, okay, I'll go check it out. Old Italian restaurant in San Francisco. And I went to check it out in North Beach. And it's gorgeous and it's wonderful. And I had a meal. It was fantastic. And I'm watching the way she's running this business. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. Well, old Italian family, her husband is the Mater D in name only because that was the only place they could put him in the organization where he wasn't in the way. It was her and the chef who were running the business. And her narrative to me was about how this was an old school Italian restaurant and we're doing all this. And I'm like, and you're as new world as new world could be. Oh my God. And I did. I wanted to use Brave New World. I wanted to, uh, not Brave New World, but the quote from a uh, Tempest. Mm -hmm. Oh, Brave New World that has such men in it. And I want to say men and women in it because I'm like, this woman is, she is something else. She has taken all that old school. She has married it to American modern woman sensibilities and she's made a very successful business. I knew that was not the story she wanted told. 
Because she so didn't I want to undercut her husband. So I just yeah. quit. Yeah, uh, right. That was well, the, not just her husband, the whole family. Imagine how comfortable she was making all these men by doing the work she was doing, but giving them praise and praise honor. and honor and yeah. credit. It's like, well, no, yeah, right. no, you you deserve that. Yeah, and right, I wasn't going to fight with her, and I was like, okay, I I can't write the story you want me to write. Yeah, and I wrote the story I wanted to write, and I was like. I can't do this to this woman. She yeah. asked for this review. This will hurt her. Like, okay, it's amazing how misogyny wow. is so prevalent, especially in America, and that even some women buy into it. They have to. Um, which is which I find fascinating. Which, you know, like I'm reading about how some people don't like Kamala Harris, so they don't like Elizabeth Warren. And although yeah. <laughs> there are some good and bad things about them, but I think the dog whistle is – we don't like a powerful, powerful woman, powerful you know, woman controlling. Is. Even you know, even uh, um, AOC that we talk about right. all the time, Alexandria right. Ocasio Cortez, right. and the two women that wanted to go to Israel right. and had their visas, you know, right. um, not approved. Lamont, what, do you have? Do you, do you have? Um, I love the gesture. I, know. I have no words. But the question I have for you is: Are you optimistic of 2020? Are you optimistic of whoever's going to be president number 46? I don't. It, no, we were talking about it earlier. I, no. It's going to be a fight. It is. Oh it's yeah, going it's going to be a nasty fight. A fight, and it's going to be nasty. We were talking about it before, so I'm just going to sure, I'm sure. Gonna, if no, I no, may no, no, no. Just repeat it. Go here. for it. Go for it. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of folk, especially white males, and I have to be careful of that broad brushstroke right. because my husband is white. All right. So I don't want to talk in just everybody this and everybody that sure. and, and just throw paint yeah. paint balloons at everybody. But basically, your basic white male has never had to fight for anything. They don't know what it's like. Mm -hmm. They have no clue. The women who support them, for the most part, they don't have a clue. Yeah, I get it. Me too. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But the simple fact of the matter is people of color – Hispanics, if you vaguely remember when you were in school, you were overweight, you wore glasses, there was something not right about you, you got picked on. You remember that, and that becomes a, a, a in your DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then there's the, the whole gay and lesbian <clears throat> thing. You were picked on right. because you were there. But the thing about if that. If anybody even knew, if you even let anybody know. Right? But the thing about that is you were white, you could pass. Mm -hmm. The rest of us couldn't do that. Right. right. So I say all of that as a backdrop that this next election is going to be ugly because basically it's going to be us against the racists and your friends who are racist and you just haven't found out about it yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's going to be those two groups battling it out. And it's going to be ugly because the number one thing that we have to do is get this fool and his administration out of oh, the White House. Yeah. Yeah. And they are not going to go down, as our people would say, without a knockdown, drag out fight. Oh, yeah. And if, as we knew growing up, if you didn't know how to fight, right. you got your butt kicked. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but right. we who know how to fight. As we, as our people say, mm -hmm. don't bring none about drama. Don't bring none. Won't be none. Right. Right. He has already brought the drama. So we, as a group, have mm -hmm. to gather all of our allies, and we have to quickly teach our allies how to fight. 
because it is going to not be pretty. Yeah. It's going to be very ugly. As I was telling you, it's not even a dog whistle anymore. I mean, you know, Trump is just oh, putting it out there. out there. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I agree. I'm still optimistic. I think it is going to be a fight. And uh, it's funny. I was thinking about Cory Booker. You know, I wish that Cory Booker would had a little bit more fight in him because I'm hearing Kamala Harris and even Elizabeth Warren and Bernie. I saw Bernie on the Joe Rogan show and he was talking about, hey, you know, we've got to we can't deal with this racism and all that sort of stuff. I just wish that Cory not that I'm big on Cory Booker, but. You know, you can't be you can't be Mr. Rogers, you know. Yes. You gotta, mm-hmm. And sadly, it's it, – let's call it because most people are saying, well, we just don't want another old white guy. You know what? Right. We might have to have an old white guy. And that'll be – yeah. yeah. That'll be what we have to do. Yeah. And th- because it's going to be what Spike said, <clears> it, <throat> by any means necessary, mm-hmm. we have to get him out of that office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be ugly. People are going to have to be ready to deal with things they don't want to hear, mm-hmm. say things they don't want to say, mm-hmm. and deal with truths they don't want to have to embrace. Yeah. Yeah, you hit it, hit it on the nose. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you. Let's get into an origin story. Lamont Rigel, uh actor. I don't know if you're a writer. Have you ever created before? Have you ever um, put no, pen to paper? I've never put pen to paper. Maybe not yet. Mm-hmm. I Because I've actually been blessed to have been offered roles that are not necessarily African-American. Mm-hmm. So, and I, there was a New York Times article, I mean, Alder McDonald was in it uh, being interviewed because they were playing the pressure that it, that one would think that isn't there when you accept a role in theater that isn't traditionally African-American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've had the pleasure of doing that, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. And I felt that. Yeah. So I read the article and got on the verge of tears because I thought, oh, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was feeling. And both of them, uh, both of the roles, I w- had the pleasure of playing uh, El Gallo in mm-hmm. The Fantastics and Mano La Mancha. Oh, right mm. on. That's fantastic. I want that one. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it is. It, it, the article so eloquently stated you know, you think that you got this role and everything's going to be wonderful, but then there's this baggage that comes along with it because everybody, mm-hmm. white and their mother, has played this role. Mm-hmm. And you're consistently compared to that audience member's last memory mm. of this character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what you do. Yeah. So I thought, uh, you know, as, as you said, I. I basically had to offer what I had to offer as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, and because that's, that's why the director and casted you. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Were you, are you a native of the Bay? Where were you born? I was born in Michigan, believe it or not. Wow. I'm, I'm I was born in a little town called River Rouge, Michigan. It's near Detroit, mm-hmm. and just grew up there. Then I went to school at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Uh huh. Then I wanted to sing jazz. Uh, very okay. strange. Yeah. Very strange. And but the group, the singing group that was at University of Michigan, they were called Amazing Blue. Mm-hmm. They were more or less a show choir, but their their specialty was fight songs and cheering and and pop and yeah. cheering on good old um, football. Yeah, the Wolverines. So yeah. I mm-hmm. heard about this. I heard about this group called the the Vagabonds mm-hmm. at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. And the scuttlebutt was the, uh, the the 
former director was retiring, mm-hmm. and a new guy was just hired, and he was going to start this whole vocal jazz thing. So I left Kalamazoo. No, I left Ann Arbor mm-hmm. and went to Kalamazoo at Western Michigan University. Are those the Broncos? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it. Uh, siblings? I have a fraternal twin brother mm-hmm. and wow. two sisters, one mm-hmm. one older and one younger. All right. Does that yeah. mean y'all look alike? No. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Are they involved in theater at all? I'm I'm the weird one. Okay. I'm the odd one. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the theater person who sings in the whole bit. Yeah. But it sounds like you didn't do theater when you were a kid. Like, did you do, like, the, the plays? I did. You did. Actually, that's how I started out. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You're going to take me back. Mm. <laughs> I was in sixth grade. Troublemaker, Teacher's Pet, and Dr. Evelyn McCullough, literally, because I was a jerk, Mm -hmm. she came to me and said, if you don't do such and such, I'm going to turn you upside down. Hmm. And I thought she was kidding. She grabbed my little brown body, Uh turned me, grabbed me by my ankles, and literally turned me (laughs) upside down and had me dangling there. And I was, it was like panic. And I was laughing at the same time because right, right. I'd never been held upside down by hell. My mother didn't even do that. Yeah. So from that point on, we were best friends ever, and she is the one who opened the door for mm-hmm. me to do um, narration of poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much singing, but using my voice for theater and acting through narration and being a poetry reader and things like that. So then when I got older, I wasn't afraid to audition. Yeah. Um, I did plays in high school. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, high schools like everybody else in the Midwest, my junior year, the budget was cut. Right. So my so- yeah, so my uh, junior and senior year, there was no theater. Mm. I ended up following friends to audition for Godspell at Wyandotte Community Theater Mm -hmm. in Wyandotte. I did Godspell. And she didn't end up getting cast, but I did. Mm -hmm. And that was how my community theater history started. Wow. When you went to Michigan, uh, did you study? What did you study? I was the typical freshman. I was didn't have a major, didn't have a minor. I just wanted to get through mm-hmm. the the base level to see what this was this thing was all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you went to East, Western Michigan, uh, did you have a major? Uh, no, no, oh. I changed that. Uh, no, I was undeclared until my freshman sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I became a communications major, broadcast communications major with a double minor in theater and theatrical dance. Ah, right on. Um, I'm always interested in, I don't know, did you learn any techniques or did they talk about the Meisner method or any sort of method at all? I learned the Meisner method through the dance classes. Oh, wow. Because the theatrical dance class, it's probably one of the most underrated departments at Western Michigan is Mm -hmm. the dance department. Brilliant, brilliant teachers, Mm -hmm. brilliant, brilliant education across the board. Mm. And that's why I learned the Meisner technique from 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 the dance dance classes and the Alexander technique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it became a double standard with me. And then the other part of the Meisner technique through theater, Dr. Russell J. Grandstaff Mm -hmm. and uh, Vern and Lyda Stilwell. Mm. 
those were the people. And that's and through um, Dr. G, as we used to call him, oh. he's the one who introduced me to blood knot. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I have him to thank for that because I would have never known who right. who wrote Master Harold and the Boys, and right. I would have never had any idea of what those shows were about. Yeah, but, but you nailed that when you said that earlier. America, it's not a subject America is going to be comfortable dealing with. So those plays just they everybody says, oh, they politely clap and talk about what wonderful, powerful work that is, but. You're not seeing it on stage much. No, you're not going to see it on stage. And yet we're living it right now. And yeah. a lot of people right now are, and I think they would admit it now, they are uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they haven't a clue. Right. And we're getting to the point now, I noticed on, on uh, online, a whole bunch of, unfortunately, a whole bunch of our Latino brothers and sisters are terrified. Yeah. yeah. They are living in fear right, right now. And the rest of us, we... Uh, you know, I I'm, I'm hope I'm not bringing anything up, but no, those fine. of us who, those of us who catch Bart, yeah, those of us who catch Muni, mm-hmm. we don't know who the next shooter is going to be. Right. Yeah. Right. No, you can't go yeah. almost any place where there's a group of people and a loud sound happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it happened in New York very oh, right. recently. Yes. The, oh, you know, that's the tr- right. Truck or motorcycle backfire. Backfired. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. In Times Square. Matter of fact, also in New York, I think they arrested a guy who had, uh, I guess, pots, and he just set it on the ground. No one knew what it was, and, he, and people were freaked out, and somebody called the police. I guess they're still figuring out what it was, but just the suspicion of you being right. yeah. weird mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't mention this current events. Uh, we don't even, because we're in the middle of your uh, thing, but a woman pulled a gun on four black teenagers who was just doing a fundraiser. Yes, going door to door, doing a fundraiser. Yeah. And Did you hear about this? By gun. Yeah, exactly. By have gun. it, have no. it in the Midwest. But oh. fear, you know, fear is the thing. It's funny you mentioned um, Aether Fulgard. You know, uh, we've been talking about Aether Fulgard, um, uh, Master Harold and the Boys, and Blood Knot, mm-hmm. and also Statements. But it takes us to a time where a black person had to have their card right. mm-hmm. in apartheid South Africa mm-hmm. to justify why you're where you are. That was a positive story I read this week. A black woman stopped the cops because they had stopped a young man because a white woman had called to say he was looking at her suspiciously. Oh, I heard about that. And the cops were called, and they went, and they approached him, and they kept messing with him. And this woman came over, started videotaping, and was just like, no, you don't do this. What? And she really, like, she clocked him on it. She was just like, what are you doing? Do you know it? And she would say it back to them. So you're stopping this young black man for looking at a white woman. Right. In 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and apparently even the police. As a matter of fact, that guy was only looking for a parking space. That's that's what I heard. And it was one of those things that what is your justification? What is her justification for calling you in the first place? Right. Yeah. Right. And we are starting to challenge that, but it's making everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it gets into privilege, the privilege of calling 911. We've talked about this earlier. Oh, I can't think of the last time I've talked to 911 or where I've been so, you know, someone it, – it's a, it's a sense of entitlement. Oh, I do it, but I do it with a real sense of two things now because the last time I did it, <laughs> I saw a guy break in. I had come out of a rehearsal hall. I saw a guy break into the building. You know, it was just one of those glass doors. He took a card or something and jimmied the thing. And well, just, sure. And he went in, and he's, I'm watching him like, oh. And my stage manager, I was directing a reading. My stage manager was closing up upstairs, and I'm like, oh, crap. I can't go anywhere. So I call the police. 
And it takes a while. They bounce me around before I finally get the right police department. And finally, I identify, who is he? What's he look like? Uh, he's just skinny. He's like maybe 5'8", maybe. Um, big coat. He's got a hat on. Dark skin. Okay, we'll have a cop. We have police on the way. Great. I get out of my car. I stand on the sidewalk. I look down at my black Uh-oh. jacket <laughs> and my hat. I immediately run back to my car and throw my hat in the car <laughs> and stand by my car with my phone out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep thinking about the unfortunate ways one can die. And <laughs> you know, this is one of those where you're just, yeah. you just get to heaven or wherever, and you're like, um, well, I called the police on myself. <laughs> It's gotten gotten to the point where you have to have a three-piece suit on in order to call the police, you know, if you're black. Uh, Go ahead. Back in the day, it was supposed to be about an emergency. Yeah. Where's the emergency? Right. You're suspicious about this person. Then watch them and be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why are you calling the police? There's Mm -hmm. nothing about you observing someone that constitutes an emergency right yeah is he choking is he right. choking someone else yeah. is there a fight is, right. is right. there blood right. is there why are you calling if it's not on fire and it's not enough to say because i didn't recognize him in my neighborhood because where i live right now i see people almost every day i don't recognize in my neighborhood yeah. They're new neighbors. And yeah. also, what about the concept of just talking to someone? Let's say if someone come into my, it comes into my um, my apartment complex and I don't know them, hi, how are you doing? You right. know, what's up? And not, and not in a suspicious way. I love that your neighbors do that a number of times. Hi, hi. In fact, I'll be standing out there waiting for them to open the door. Did you need to get in? I want to kiss you. Thank you. <laughs> well, back in the day, if you made eye contact with someone, you said hello. Right. Yeah. Because to not... It's mm-hmm. basically I'm ignoring you right. as if you don't exist and saying, well, that's rude. Mm-hmm. And, but that's standard practice in San Francisco. It's one of the reasons I love the East Bay over San Francisco. People in San Francisco, about 20 feet, within the, about that 15, 20 feet range, mm-hmm. you become invisible. Yes. They check you out and decide whether or not they have to adjust and they, you become invisible. Mm-hmm. In Oakland, you walk by somebody and you get within that distance and you don't, mm-hmm. hey. Hey. Yeah. Or at least a nod, mm-hmm. you know, a little blip. A little nod, a little smile, yeah. something to say, I am acknowledging your right. existence. And that's all it takes. Yeah. I have been through situations where I'm like, this is sketchy. I don't know what's going on. But all I have to do is say, hey. Yeah. And then I, and then I become invisible. <laughs> they leave me alone. And I can go on my way. And, but that, and that's perfectly fine. Because part of that is you've acknowledged that you've seen me. Yeah. Yes. So that right. means I'm not a wallflower to you. Right. Right. Y- yes, that's what that means. Yeah. I, I'm, and I will remember you mm-hmm. because you are the only person <laughs> that I've come in contact with and that I've acknowledged exist. And I can, we can both move on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so before we jump back into this, so I was at my, I was on my balcony because it was really hot these this this yes. past week. Yes, it was. And I was just leaning over my balcony. There was this white couple just walking by, and the white man stops and he looks at me. He's like, "Hey." Um, you know, um, what's it like living in Portobello and this and that and the other? And we started talking about this and that and the other. And he started, and then I found out that he was a musician. He lives in the Landing, which is a, the complex right next to yeah. where I was. Mm-hmm. And we got into like a half-hour conversation. I was like, wow, this guy really doesn't know me at all. He was like in his mid-30s, I think, or whatever. I think his girlfriend was a little, uh, you know, it's like, hey, can we keep going? Right. Or whatever. But it was nice that... 
an organic conversation where someone really wanted to get to know me or whatever just happened. Mm-hmm. Total strangers. It's an aberration. It national, doesn't always happen. <laughs> the National Neighborhood Night Out just happened. Yeah. And somehow it's like the theater gods have decided I'm never going to go to one of these things because I always have a rehearsal or a show. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. Well, that's the fact of life being in theater. I can't. I have rehearsal. Right, right. It's what we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I love that that impulse. That's you know, this is the government giving people money. All you have to do is go on a website and say, "Yeah, I want to have one." The police will come and block off part of your block for you. It's um, amazing. You will That's get awesome. you get resources. They throw you a little money or whatever, and. You have your little party just to come out and say hi to your neighbors. And I'm like, yeah, please. Thank you, Keith. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good use of federal dollars. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, what brought you to the Bay? A Japanese software company. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Oh, my see, You're making me go way, <laughs> way back. Oh, my goodness. Synergy Interactive. Mm-hmm. And their biggest hit was called Gadget. Mm. And you took a trip on a train, a mm-hmm. futuristic train, and it w- all played through QuickTime and mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. But so that it, was is there. A vid- it was a video game. It was a, it's similar to a video game. It was on it was on the same level uh, as Mist. So oh, they were, sure, sure. So see, I'm taking the pod. I'm taking the pod. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Back, it's it's uh, okay. Away. It's like yeah, Mist. Remember Mist? Back like, in the day, millennials will not know, but Mist was. I bought it. It was a turn-based game where you'd take your. It was basically. It was based on the PC, and you take your mouse and you click onto, let's say, a room, and right. then you go into the room, and uh-huh. then you click left, and you go left. It's very much like Dungeons and Dragons, only yes. it's it's visual. And it was visual. It had puzzles inside yeah. of it so that if you didn't solve the puzzle, you couldn't proceed forward. Mm-hmm. Or, or it would turn you around yeah. until you finally got back to the puzzle, but yeah. you had to solve the puzzle in yeah. order to go through and find out what yeah. and find out the end of the story. Well, Gadget had a finite ending. Mm-hmm. And that's oh. people either loved it because uh-huh. it took you on a wonderful journey and then it was over like right. a movie. Right. It played, uh, I think the length was about two to two and a half hours. Uh-huh. And that was it. Right. Once you've done Gadget, you've done Gadget. Right. Is that the early 90s? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they were, we were in Los Angeles. And then they moved here mm-hmm. to San Francisco and I came with them. I had the choice of either staying in Los Angeles mm-hmm. or coming here yeah. and I came here. Wow, you're in the video game industry early, really early. Oh yeah. Um my I my only horn I can toot back then, I worked for Borders Books and Music mm-hmm. uh-huh. back in the day in Los Angeles and we had a CD ROM division <laughs> and i'm the one right. who ended up in billboard magazine mm-hmm. because what i did with borders assistance and approval i dug into my former teaching mode mm-hmm. and i made notebooks and binders that had all of this information about how to buy a cd-rom what does memory what does megabyte stand sure, for right. yeah so that when grandmothers and people would come in to find yeah. cd-rom games and things before html html yeah. wasn't even around then uh. i remember going to the bookstores this is back when i was in dc and i wanted to find out you know what was online and i had to actually buy magazines which would say okay i gotta go here yep. and i would dial on aol <laughs> right right <laughs> type in you know, the, the, the fake browser that's it Nine dollars an hour. You had to quick and get in and get out. That's it. And millennials won't know this. Go ahead. And they and we basically created. And then uh, Borders let me have a class. So mm-hmm. I created this class on mm-hmm. and teaching our customers 
how to buy gifts for computer lovers, what does this computer do, what are the top games, wow. what are the top educational games and things like that. Yeah. We ended up in Billboard magazine because sales spiked. Mm -hmm. That's how Synergy Interactive found out about me, and mm -hmm. they basically stole me from Borders uh -huh. to their company. Oh. Right on. So how so long did you stay with uh, Synergy? I was with Synergy for four years. Okay. We were over on Deharo Street. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the city. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you discover Bay Area Theater uh, then, or nope. no, not really? Had nothing to do with it. Fascinating. Had nothing to do with it. Yeah, and this would have been the um, mid-90s, yeah. Yeah, had, it was, we were went on, uh, then I ended up working for Mac User Magazine. Uh-huh, right on. Then they left Foster City and came into the city, mm -hmm. and then one thing happened, it was always one thing happened after another, and then yeah. Facebook came into existence. Right. And I just joined Facebook, and it was a message from Jeff Teague mm -hmm. on Facebook. Hey, I'm Jeff Teague. I'm, um, you know, directing this play. Interested in if you'd be auditioning, you know, would you mm -hmm. be interested in auditioning? Was that a cold call or a cold, you know, whatever? Did he know who you were? No. Wow, no. that's fascinating. No. Hell of a story. No. What was the play? It was Ragtime. Ragtime. That was 2009. Okay. It was just one of those things that happened, and I didn't get, you know, again, unlike where we are now, mm -hmm. someone sends you a random mm -hmm. message. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it didn't go into my Facebook spam thing. Uh -huh. Yeah. It, I said, Oh, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, because before, yeah. and, and the Facebook folk will know this, mm -hmm. before anybody could send you a message through Facebook. Oh, mm -hmm. sure. Now, mm -hmm. if they don't know you and, and they send you a message, down. you have a I don't and most people don't even know that they have it. There is a Facebook email spam folder yeah. in your message in thing your messenger, yeah. that people have probably sent you a message. Oh, interesting, yeah. yeah. But if they aren't friends with you, yeah. it ends up in that spam folder and yeah. sits there, and you don't get a notice no. that yeah. it's there. No. Yeah. You have no clue that it's sitting there. Yeah. So anybody listening, if you haven't done it, Go to your Facebook messages and open up the messenger so that you see all of your messages. Right. And then look in the upper left-hand corner, and you'll see a little mm -hmm. thing that says spam or yeah. something similar. It's, it's, I don't remember what they call it, but yeah. It, it may even say, like, or it used to say hidden messages or something. I forget yes. what it was. And I was like, what is that? Six months, you know, three no. or four people had tried to get in touch with me about auditions for shows. Oh. <laughs> and because they're not a friend of yours, right. they yeah. end up in this mystery, this mysterious mm -hmm. spam folder. Yeah. Yeah. But most Facebook users, I think the savvy ones know about mm -hmm. it, but the rest of us, no. yeah. you yeah. don't know anything about I it. I mean, I've gotten private messages from people who I didn't know, mm -hmm. usually for auditions or whatever, but... You probably have gotten private messages, but because they're not your friends, they're in that folder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's they're in the good. folder. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I was gonna. I was gonna. Um, because in the nineties, I was just wondering about how you find out about auditions or how you find out. This is the question I'll ask you, Norman. Mm -hmm. But prior to you know social media, how did you find out about auditions? Did you have to go into Backpage? TBA, yeah. TBA, okay. Yes. Which when I moved here was called Callboard, and then they changed the name to TBA. And I'm like, and I talk to people who are TBA members now, and I'm like, I don't know why you'd be a TBA member. Oh, I guess you get it all on, on online now. 
mm-hmm. know, the audition yes. notices. Because yeah. you used to have to wait till the next month to see anybody's audition notices. And anything had happened in between. Mm-hmm. And now all these companies just throw a notice out two weeks before they just you know, right. post and, it and bam. And I just hit the internet. I followed friends' advice and I hit the internet. And I went to all of the theater companies, and mm-hmm. then I started listing, you know, old school. I started right. listening, listing the dates right. of their general auditions, right. and then I went to their websites to check their seasons out right. and see if they would were doing any shows that mm-hmm. I could was interested in doing or that I right. I could fit in, and then I would make plans on auditioning for their generals. Ah, yeah. oh, nice. That's pretty cool. So I know we're wrapping up. You've done so much stuff, so much theater stuff, and now, you know, yeah, and I wish we could get into, you know, you going, uh, because you moved away, and you got married, moved and you came back. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, have, are you getting, um, are you jump, are you jumping back into theater? I'm totally jumping back into it. Awesome, I mean, awesome. It's, it's one of those things where it's a wonderful blessing, yeah. uh, because it's almost as if I never left. Yeah. And even though I was gone for, I think, two years, mm-hmm. it's I came back, but luckily, I was able to start right off mm-hmm. where we left off, which yeah. was, what do you have to offer? You kind of know who I am. If you don't know who I am, I'd be more than happy to audition for you, mm-hmm. and let's do this. Right on. Mm-hmm. Are you getting, um, and of course, you've just begun at least again. Are you getting the most out of Bay Area Theater? Are you frustrated? Are you like, gee, I'm not seeing the shows that I want to be in, or are you satisfied that people still remember you? Uh, what's, what's your take on <laughs> all of the above? Right? Yeah, all of the above. All of the above. It literally is all of the yeah. above because it's. I look at it this way. I'm grateful for the gift I was given to be able to internally make this work. Yeah, and then to offer it externally. But at the same time, I'm also grateful to the people that I've met along the way that have smacked me upside the head and going, you know, don't do that. Don't become that person. And I think a lot of theater companies are starting to look for people who they can work with. Yeah. You have something to offer, but you can also work with people. Mm -hmm. No one has time for unnecessary and added drama. Yeah, no one needs a diva. And the theater community in the Bay Area, yes, could, could it be better? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. of course. If you're right. gonna, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. But if you're actually really seriously looking for it, you're gonna have to make it yourself. Yeah. So the the theater, theater Bay Area could be better. Yes. Mm-hmm. But for what it's offering, could it be more diverse? Yeah. But then again, the entire world could be more right. diverse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pretty much it everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't. It's not gonna hurt anybody by basically doing things colorblind you mentioned violet i can't stand violet Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna call it out there i can't stand that musical Mm -hmm. and part of the reason why i can't stand it i'm just gonna say it yeah because it tells the story from the perspective of the white girl Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't be telling my background story of being black and growing up in an oppressive uh, you know yeah oppressive space from your story because you don't know what that's like right I don't right. care that you're – again, we know the story, so I won't, I won't give any spoilers away. But mm-hmm. we know how you got where you got. Mm-hmm. But that's a white thing. Right. Yeah. So 
until you can give me something I can work with. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't understand. And here's the thing. The talented people that will be offering Violet and the talented people that offered mm-hmm. Violet, mm-hmm. you can do better. Yeah. There yeah. are better shows out there that tell the same story from a larger mm-hmm. and more focused perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I mean by the theater community can do better. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if because we keep repeating some of the same shows that offer very little to begin with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet you're going to give me this just not, you know, I'll pick, pick one, 42nd Street. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, white people tapping. And right. Right, exactly. <laughs> like you said, if you're going to tell the same story, mm-hmm. twist the prism and tell, give me something give new something. and or different about it. Because we all know the story. Dracula. I'm like. I'm still wrapping my head around that. And I'm like, well, if nothing else, we're going to make the audience think. We're going to have to think about what it means. But Mm -hmm. female Dracula, yeah, why not? Why not? Why? I mean, let's face it. If if Dracula can be one of the most sexiest vampires out there, why can't Dracula be a woman? Right. Of course. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right, I would love to talk more, but um, for, the, for, the, for those folks out there, uh, you know, Lamont, you, you are just a fantastic you know, um, actor. I work with you. Uh, you know, we um, it was Master Harold and the boys out. It was a stage manager, and really, you just took over, you know, the, the entire thing, mm. and uh, you did a, ma- a magnificent work. And Town Hall Theater, you know, Angels in America, and, you know, you've just done s- such great stuff. So directors, creatives out there, if you're looking for a fantastic black actor, Lamont Rogel, you And I'll say to both of you, I don't know if it's done, but Afro Shakes was having their generals, I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Got to check that out. All right. Uh, we are, we've, we've gone past the one hour mark. Oh, well, I know we have. Birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I got to, I got to get down to, I've got some time, fortunately. But yeah. Uh, birthdays. Um, so I don't know if you had Laura Mitchler. Oh, d- and I had yesterday. Go for she it. was yeah. in our four men in Paris, Yay. and oh, I will I, do, yeah. I will always have a soft spot for her because we took what was a one scene character, and as I asked him if I could have permission to stick another character in these cafe scenes, no lines, and he said yes, and we ended up creating a whole storyline around that, no lines, <laughs> and she just blossomed in it. So her birthday was yesterday. Um, Mark Ruthier is this amazing, he's a director and technical guy, and I don't know, he had a small company, but he's also been associated a lot with the Magic Theater, um, whose birthday's coming up. Rena Beth Apostol, um, hmm. do you know her? She's, uh, uh, I've, the, the last name Everybody calls familiar. her Arby. Okay. Um, she's a wonderful <laughs> fee, uh, Filipina. I love okay. it. And, oh my God. Uh, we did when we did Buffalo down in San Jose. She ah Jeannie's play, yeah, and she was just. I was like, I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're on the other team, but that's okay. I'm in love with you. Yeah, uh, Theodore Chin um, was. I think he's still down in L.A. He was an actor, young Chinese American actor here, mm-hmm. and uh, they started. He and two other guys started a small theater company to do Asian American plays. They did one play. Two of them moved to L.A. Theodore moved a few months later. Oh, see, mm. that's just so wrong. Yeah, but it's <laughs> wonderful to feel, to me, one of the things that we're celebrating is there's this wonderful level of talent that comes through the Bay Area. Oh, yes. And those that stay, yay. And those that move on, if you find success someplace else, I'm happy for you. 
If you find happiness someplace else, yeah, I'm happy. And for I just, you. even from what you just said, I just hope they're still doing a little bit of theater to is. keep that just keep it's, that internal hard fire. Work. And yeah. to put up your own show is so much work, and they did, and their show was brilliant. I loved it. I think it's called Texas, um, and it's three Asian Americans in Texas. These are you know Texas boys, <laughs> but they're Asian. It was it was cute. Uh, Stephanie Ann Johnson. And why do I not think of it? Whenever somebody says designers, I should always think Stephanie should be top of my list. She's an amazing lighting designer. So amazing that she's been doing, uh, Apra Solo does a huge festival of arts. Now, it used to be just theater performance, and now it's everything. And they did a thing, I don't know what to call it, an exhibit, a gallery of her work, of her lighting designs. Just Mm, a couple years ago. She's amazing. Anna Maria Luera is... um, Actress and teacher, um, she basically in my world, she's my sister. She's my hot little Latina sister. <laughs> um, we did um, House on Mango Street, Sandra Cisneros, House on Mango Street. And they kept bringing the show back for about four years. <laughs> they kept bringing us back. They brought us back for a benefit. And then they brought us back as a part of another project. And then they brought us, ba- they brought us back for fundraiser. And then they brought us back for a whole another season. They actually sort of farmed the show out to another company that made it sound like they were going to give us, I think they said we we're going to get 8 to 20 performances. And we're like, 8 to 20 performances in the fall, you know, it's going to definitely be more than 8. That's And 20 is a little light for a tour, but that's okay. Turned out they were talking about the whole school year. And the company that created the show felt so guilty about that that they booked a new spring for us. So we ended up doing like over 80 shows oh in the spring. Wow. Um, but so I've known her forever. And she's married to Tommy Shepard, whose birthday was just recently. Last time I think we did a okay. podcast. Uh, I was talking about Tommy. Tommy. Annie Stewart, casting director. And I'm not sure what her official title is, but she's basically the number two person at Playground. Oh, there you go. Would be so if you know what so if you just were there, you probably saw her. Yeah. She probably uh, did box office. Yeah, stuff. I think so. Yeah. Um, and Doni Panici, um, actor that I got to – I got uh, – it used to be the Z Space was downtown more in San Francisco, and I was always working with these couple of organizations that just had me in and out. And one day I walked past the Golden Thread office, and she says, you direct, don't you? And I went, yeah. <laughs> and they had just lost a director for a new musical they were doing. And Doni ended up being one of the actors in it. And he had small roles, but he was such an amazing singer. And this guy is doing like, uh, what is it, like Dire Straits. And Dire Straits is not a high voice. There's another high voice guy of that era. He's covering songs like that, writing his own. Wow. I'm like, that is a you know, wow. Yeah. He, was not, he was not the most skilled actor. He's an amazing singer. And mm. I've gone and seen some of his stuff. I really appreciate it. Steve Crum, mm-hmm. um, actor I met at the African American Shakespeare Company. And I think he's still in Philly now. Um, he and I used to walk back to Bart. He would walk me to Bart. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we would smoke a joint back when it was illegal. <laughs> Walking up Market Street, smoking a joint, talking shit. It was great. And Danielle Teese, um, actress that I did, Emma and Ava, Emmett and Ava, with mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years, three years ago now. All right. Um, and at the Beverly Hills Playhouse in San Francisco. Her birthday. So those are the ones I have for this week. All right. And um, today, Avi Jacobson, we had him on. And that was yeah. the uh, <laughs> Jewish American actor. Do you know Avi? <laughs> 
Of course Small I know. World. We did Big River together. Wow. Oh. And, of course, Avi was in 110 in the Shade. Yes. He and I connected I so well. I was in the audience for that. I saw you. I saw both of you. Yeah. Mm. So his birthday is today. And, of course, you remember him. He was yeah. here. Um, also, uh, yes, well, you talk about Laura. Um, on Monday, Linda Omaya Hassan. Yes, I, I, I purposely <laughs> left that before you. Yeah, and she is the creator of, uh, we were just talking about how what Latinos must be going through. She wrote a wonderful piece, Cheer, Story of a Dreamer, that just finished at the playground. Right. So when we did um, um, uh, the Emeryville Horror, that was the last day, the last oh. day of Cheer. Mm-hmm. So uh, Linda, her birthday is on Monday. Also Tuesday, a friend of mine, Lin, Lin Nguyen, um, she's Vietnamese, and um, she is a young actress. Well, she's not young, but she's a young actress, and I've worked with her and just, you know, mm-hmm. giving her some pointers and all that sort of stuff, so oh. I'm trying to get her to get on stage uh, to yeah. show, show off that talent. <laughs> on Wednesday, Mimi Totten, uh, her birthday is uh, on Wednesday. And she is an actress. She has usually acts at Three Crosses at the uh, – Oh, a, um, uh, Castro Valley. Yeah, exactly, in Castro Valley. Mm-hmm. She was in Godspell, and she was in my little mini-musical, Nia. Uh-huh. And if it weren't for her being in Nia, she wouldn't have brought her friend, Corinne Ritchie. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't have given her the play Four Men in Paris, right. and one thing leads to another. <laughs> so it's wonderful how theater Excellent. people Brings connect people together. together yeah. So Mimi, happy birthday to her. And uh, Joel Knopf, he is another uh, young – um, playwright, writer? musical writer. Okay. Uh, uh, I've had yeah. him on um, usually the Musical Cafe. I don't know if you know the Musical Cafe, mm-hmm. but they sponsor young uh, musical writers mm-hmm. to present a 20-minute piece of their musical. Mm-hmm. And so Joel Knopf, he's worked with them, and we've had him on the yay, and his birthday will be Thursday. And that's uh, it. That's yeah. all I'm going to have. <laughs> Any shows? Uh, you know me. I'm stuck in As You Like It. <laughs> Uh, let's see if I can find. There are a couple of shows that have closed. Uh, let me see if I can pull something up. Uh, let's well, see. You just mentioned a couple. Of well, we know that what because I well, go for it. Well, I know friends were in hairspray at at BAM that uh, closed uh-huh. on Sunday. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I had some friends. Um, Paul Plain and Stephen uh, McLeod was in hairspray. Yeah. That was at the Victorian Theater. Yeah. Ooh. So I know that closed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that I think Bindlestiff has a thing going on called Bukaka. Um And, uh, you know, so I'll, um, I'll have a link to that as well. Uh, Central Works has Rowan at the Gates. Okay. And I don't remember what I'd heard about it, but I remember hearing something. Oh, and wow. Uh, Working for the Mouse is coming up in Sept- on September 8th, and that's a Trevor Allen solo show. Trevor Allen is a playwright, but he had created this show to – talk about his experiences working at Disneyland. Oh, okay. And, uh, and managed to do it and not get sued, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a tr- that's a feat right there. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. They're quick. They're quick to jump down your throat. So I'm not sure that he actually mentions the name of the place anywhere in the show, but. And you have that open. I'm going to show you where that magical mystery message oh. thing is. Oh, um, what, what I mentioned earlier today? You no, know, on, on, on the Book of Faith. Oh, on Facebook? I got. I got to find it, <laughs> but I'll. I'll put a link to it. Uh, inter- but uh, we got to close out. Yeah. Come on, did you get a Or we'll just talk on. But you know, I. I. You know, the minute I found out, I think it was Paul Plain who told me that you were back in town, 
And uh, I was like, wow, i got to jump on Facebook and find out where you are. So I'm so happy that you're here. Did you enjoy yourself? I did. Yeah, I'm fantastic. Looking, we'll have to do another episode. There's uh, a lot. We have we so well, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We look to hearing what's next. All right. Well, here's my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads, really any app that you use. And I just uh, we're on Spotify now. So, if anyone's streaming music, you can type the yay and you'll find us on Spotify. That's one thing I did this week. So, I'm trying to just expand Mm -hmm. our grasp. Mm -hmm. For any old stogies who listen to your podcast on a desktop or a laptop, you know, kids don't use desktops or laptops anymore. They even do their term papers on the phone. I don't know how they do it. But in any case, you can find us on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on store. You can use the search engine on the upper right-hand corner, and you can find us. For Android users, you can download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com, and you can find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm on Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. My Instagram. <laughs> I got my Instagram. I, I Google, like I uh-huh. said, I was way over on stuff, so... I realized one of the things they had done is they'd started taking all my photos. And every time I took a photo, mm-hmm. Google had it. So a week or so later, they'd say, did you want to review the photos from last week? And I'm like, what are you doing with my photos? I didn't care until they yeah. told me suddenly I got no storage. I'm like, oh, no. So Instagram, boom. Instagram's getting all my stuff now. Oh, there you all go. Right. Well, that's, that's where it belongs, yeah. Google, there. see, I'm very anti-Google yeah. for, for reasons like that. It was horrible. They'll do all sorts of things without telling you. Anyway, yep. Yep. do you have a, um, are you on Instagram, Snapchat, no. all that stuff? I'm one of those old fogies. You can just find me on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> find me on the book of face. Exactly. All right. And uh, once again, uh, directors, creatives, uh, folks who are looking for, you know, a fantastic black actor, Lamont Rogel, find him on Facebook and, and hit him up. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. And we are out. <laughs>